0: Let's, uh, first of all, open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 3 and also uh, Romans chapter 8. Matthew chapter 3 and Romans chapter 8. We're going to look in Romans chapter 8 first and then we'll go back to our, our, uh, continue our study in in, uh, Matthew chapter 3. Um, The first part of Matthew, we looked at uh, uh, John the Baptist and he was pointing ahead, right? Right? And he was appointing a head to, who? to, Messiah. to Messiah, or also known as Jesus. And, and he said that John baptized with water for repentance. It's a turning of the heart and a turning of the mind, a baptism of repentance, where someone would turn and, and follow after uh, you know, God. And then he went on to say this, and we talked about this last time, I'm giving a little review, that, John, uh, that Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Jesus would baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Baptism meaning immersion, I mean, and, you know, going all the way into the water kind of thing. And, and this, uh, as we saw, was predicted in the Old Testament. It's an exciting thing, it's a spirit of truth, and I want... As I said last week, I want and I need it all, and and the question is, how do we how do we live for Him without His help, without the help of the Holy Spirit? And and, and I in my own uh, my own readings, uh, I'm in the Book of Romans in the New Testament, and I'm in the Book of Psalms in the Old Testament, and and uh, what what I do is I kind of rotate back and forth each day, and I read in the New Testament one day and the Old Testament the next day, and and uh, so. Uh, I'm in the book of Romans now, but I was reading, in, in coincidentally, of course, uh, in Romans chapter 8. And Romans chapter 8 is like phenomenal. This chapter, uh, it, I challenge you to read it, but, but I was reading in there about the Holy Spirit and kind of just some of the things He plays, some of the parts He plays in our lives. And uh, look at Romans chapter 8, verse 6. Romans chapter 8, verse 6 and you have to kind of read the whole chapter to get the whole uh, picture here, but look at this. The mind of sinful man uh, is death, but the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. Life and peace. Do you want those things? I know I want those things. I want life and I want peace. But he says it's a, a mind or a you know, person, a heart that's controlled by the Spirit. You can look at that word and see what that word means and whatever, but it's really someone who's in submission to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is like involved in your life. Look at uh, verse 9. Again, you can read all these verses here. I just want to, this is a little extra. I'm throwing this in as an extra. Verse 9, you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. You see what he's saying there in verse 9? That without the Holy Spirit, you you don't even belong to Him. You don't even belong to Christ. So without the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're not even Christians. We're not even born again. The Holy Spirit is not something to be afraid of, right? Are you afraid of the Holy Spirit? If the Spirit of God lives in you, And if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. Look, jump down to verse 15, will you? Verse 15. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship, or adoption, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed... We share in His sufferings in the order that we may also share in His glory. The spirit of adoption. You didn't receive a spirit that made you a slave again to fear. How many of you ever struggle with fear? Be honest. You know, that's not coming from the Holy Spirit, you see. That's not coming. The perfect love that that God brings to us casts out all fear, right? And so we all struggle with fear. The Bible's full of all these uh, 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 words that say do not fear. But he doesn't say just get tough and don't fear anymore. He gives us the spirit of God that gives us the, the spirit of adoption, he says there. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. We have a father. We have a father. That's going to kind of tie into what we're going to look at in a few minutes. We have a father. We cry out, Abba, Father. It used to be, you know, when you're a little kid, you know, if you're in a scary situation, if you knew your father was there, you could you'd be all right, right? Well, my dad's here, he's going to take care of me, he's going to protect me. Hopefully. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And then one more verse there, verse 26. Again, read the whole chapter, it's incredible. I read uh, the last section of this chapter this morning. It's just phenomenal. Look at verse 26. It says, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. I want that help. I need that help. Do you need that help? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We're going to see that back in Matthew. Let's go ahead and turn back to Matthew now. I promise you we would go back there. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit involved in our lives as believers. We can't just, you know, like, uh, you know, some cult kind of thing. Jesus only. We're not going to talk about the Father. We're not going to talk about the Holy Spirit. Jesus only. That's kind of like unbiblical, isn't it? And we want to be biblical, right? Right? In our in, in the way we approach life and the we the way we approach living as Christians, as believers, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all involved in our lives. Nothing to be afraid of. In fact, we should be afraid if the Holy Spirit is not involved in our lives. The Holy Spirit is the one that takes the fear away. So, purifying fire. He said he would baptize us with the Holy Spirit and with fire passion, life, but for the unbeliever, judgment, separation, and death. Look at verse 13. This is where we left off. It says, and Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus came from Galilee, up the area where he lived, and he came down to the area of the Jordan River, if you looked on a map of Israel, you'd see the Sea of Galilee and then the Dead Sea. And in between the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea, the Jordan River flows. And, and he was in an area that was sort of uh, you know, to the side of the Sea of Galilee. So we had to travel down about 60 miles or so uh, where John the Baptist was baptizing. Again, there was no television. There was no radio to tell people, hey, there's some radical things happening down there. The word just got around and people traveled and said, hey, there's something happening there's a guy down there, but Jesus, of course, he knew everything anyways, right? I mean, if you think about who he was, he knew exactly where to go. He didn't have to say, like, where, was he? where, where is John again? So he, he went down there, it says, and, and he says he wanted John to baptize him. Jesus wants to be baptized by John, right? Is there a problem with this? Picture? Jesus wants to be baptized by John. I have a problem with it. Why? Because we've already talked about this baptism. It's a baptism of what? Of repentance. Yeah, it's water. Someone, you're right. Don't, Don't feel bad. It's a baptism of repentance in water. Let's put it that way. Did Jesus need to repent? It was a baptism of repentance showing that somebody had made a change in their heart, a direction uh, in their lives, hearts, and minds. They, were, they turned away from following themselves and whatever to follow after God. Jesus was already doing that, right? He always, he always did. He always would. He always had. So, so Jesus, you know, a baptism of repentance? That, you know, he needed no forgiveness? It says there that they were, you know, baptized and, and for forgiveness and all that stuff. So John, rightly so, said, you know, wait wait, wait a minute, you know, I, I just got through telling the people that there's someone coming after me who's going to baptize with the Holy Spirit, that's you. you. You know, I don't need to baptize you in the baptism of the repentance, I need to be baptized by you, by everything that you have to give, because you're the one that really makes it all happen, you're the, really the one that has it all to give. I really, I, I really have got nothing to give compared to you, right? So rightly so, John said, you know, I don't really, this doesn't really work for me. So what is up with it, and what did did Jesus say? Look in verse 15. Jesus replied, let it be so now. There's that word again, now. (laughs) It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness Then John consented. This word righteousness means the right thing. To be right with God. To be right with one another, to, have, to be right, right. the old term in English, right-wiseness. To be right, he says, to fulfill our righteousness, to do the right thing, to, to, to do what is right, is what Jesus is saying here. And there really are a bunch of reasons why it is the right thing. It wasn't because of the baptism of repentance, because he needed no forgiveness, he needed no repentance, Jesus was sinless. When you study about who Jesus is and and you know, we talked about the virgin birth where there are many other facets of the of the nature of who Jesus is, that he was not just a man, that he was sinless. He never sinned, never once sinned, never once had a sinful thought, never once did anything wrong. I'm not sure how his parents dealt with that. Some of the reasons, though, let me let me just give you a few reasons here. Number one is that is that when Jesus came onto the scene, he affirmed, his baptism was an affirmation of John's ministry. He came along and he, and he you know, gave his stamp of approval, really, to John the Baptist that, that, yes, we needed to repent. Yes, we needed to give everything and follow after the kingdom of heaven. He said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. See, So the first thing he did is is backed up what John the Baptist had to say. Secondly, though, he was was doing this, and, and you see this throughout the New Testament, that he identified with humanity. He came along, and though he needed no repentance or forgiveness or whatever, he came along and identified with humanity when he came, and just like another human being to this place, to be baptized by John ultimately the truth is that he would take our place is that not true ultimately he would take my place and your place and die upon a cross for our sin he identified with humanity thirdly and this is kind of interesting I think too is that Jesus's baptism was an example for you and for me he was he gave us an example that it's the right thing to do to be baptized right it's the right thing to do it's okay it's not only for Baptists. Right? Oh. Jesus gave us an example, you know, by his life. We follow after Jesus. We want to live like Jesus did. And if Jesus was baptized, I think you and I should be baptized. Maybe some of you are here today, and, and you've held off for a long, long time. You say, I don't, I, you know... Well, if if it's good enough for Jesus, should be good enough for us, right? To be baptized. Of course, our hearts have to be in the right place. We have to have a heart, a right heart, like Norman was talking about in finances. Our, in baptism, I talked about this too. Our hearts need to be in the right place. We do it for the right reasons, right? We don't do it just because everybody else is doing it. And we're just going to get in a you know, uh, uh, you know, for show or or whatever just to go along with the crowd. Jesus' baptism was an example. The last thing I I note is this, is that his baptism, and this is when we study about what baptism really is, his his baptism was a picture of death, of burial, and of resurrection, right? Death, burial, and resurrection. When you go down into the water, it's a picture of death, right? Right? When you die, to, to, you go into the water. When you're under the water, it's a picture of burial, right? And when you come up out of the water, if those people who are baptized and you work really fast, you see a picture of life coming to life. And so, so when he was baptized, it showed, it kind of it was a picture of looking ahead to what would soon take place within a matter of like, what, about three years or so? That he was going to die that he was going to be buried, that he would be raised from the dead. This Jesus, this sinless sacrifice, behold the Lamb of God, John said, who takes away the sin of the world and he did it through the cross and the burial and the resurrection. It was the right thing to do. Jesus always did the right thing. So John said, okay. Again, he, he had the right heart to, to even question it, I think, but he also had the right heart to say when Jesus says what, that it's the right thing to do, okay, we should probably do it. He didn't like argue with him, no, 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 Jesus, you didn't understand me the first time when I said, uh, I don't really think you should do this. Some of us have kind of like a running debate with Jesus when he, he confirms to us what the right thing to do is, if it's the right thing to do, and then we, we kind of like, whoa. John consented, it says, in verse 16, as soon as, it says, as soon as heaven, uh, excuse me, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. And at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. Mark's account of this tells us that heaven was being torn open. Mark has kind of a an immediate kind of picture, and his his words are always kind of forceful. And and he says that heaven was being torn open. There was something taking place here where heaven was being opened by the Son of God and and, and his obedience and, and his following after the Father's will, that heaven was open to the people around and heaven was open to you and to me. John the Baptist came along and he said, what, repent for what? The kingdom of heaven is near. But heaven, like that's someplace far off, isn't it? That's someplace we can't get to, someplace we can't reach. But here it says that heaven is opened. Heaven is opened by the Son of God for you and for me. Uh, It reminded me of, of Stephen in the book of Acts, you know, before he was martyred. It says Stephen was full of the Holy Spirit. It says he looked up to heaven and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look. I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And at this they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed out at, at him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. <coughs> Stephen looks up to heaven and he says he sees heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. The Son of Man opens heaven for you and my for you and for me. The Son of Man is now standing at the right hand of God for Stephen when he's, when he's being ushered into heaven. You know, many scriptures talk about Jesus sitting at the right hand of God, doesn't it? But in this picture here, we see him standing. Why? Because Stephen is about to be ushered into heaven and Jesus is, is standing to usher him and greet him. That's a beautiful picture, isn't it? Heaven open. And Jesus standing to receive him. In Revelation chapter 4, it says that John, the apostle, he saw a door standing open in heaven. We talked about hell in the last section, you know, and and we're not afraid to talk about hell, but we also want to talk about heaven, don't we? You know, heaven is what God has prepared for us. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. It's heaven, and heaven is being open now. Heaven, being open... for, for you and for me. The place that you and I are going to one day go to. I'm uh, reading again in, in uh, Romans chapter 8, you know, about the hope that we have, the hope of a future, the hope of heaven. But, but he says hope that is seen is not hope at all, right? So, you know, why would you hope for something that you already see and have? But, but you and I have this hope of heaven. We sing that song sometimes, we're going home to heaven. Well, we don't see it now. Not physically, but but the Word of God describes it for us. It tells us that there's a place that we're going to for all those that belong to Him. Heaven was opened. I like that. Heaven was opened at that moment. Isn't that beautiful? I don't know about you, but that, that's incredible to me. There's a few other things, though, that, that I see in this uh, passage uh, as we finish this chapter as he says at that moment he also saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him. This picture of the Spirit of God. Now we have a special visitor. Carol, where are you? How many of you know this guy here? We're going to... This is Fred. He's tied in there by a bread tie. That's very safe. And... Uh, Fred, come on, Fred. Let's see if I can get him out. You sure have to put your hand over him to pull him out. It's it was like a police car. you got to put your hand door. over their head. Well, no, the door is too small for him. This is just his traveling cage. Okay. I'm not going to let him go because I'm not sure where he'll go. <laughs> but the fact I'm at it, Fred, see, Fred, I got Fred. Fred used to be my bird. He's going to go to be my bird. He's going to land. Watch out. He might land on your head. There you go. Wow. Give her an extra donut today. Carol's going to get him. You see, we got Fred um, in Connecticut about 19 what? We've had Fred for, uh, we had him for nine years and Carol Uh, We had to move to a place we couldn't keep Fred. And so Carol's been watching him for me um, for nine years. Can I have him back? No. No. (laughs) So he's like 18 years old. But, you know, I remember when we used to let him go in the house and stuff, and he'd fly around, and he would, like, land right on my head. Now, the problem is he's got claws. (laughs) And for me, that was a little bit painful, you see. But isn't he cute? cute. You know... He's gentle, and he's just a good little guy. I don't know. Why did we name him Fred? Do you remember? The other one that named him. I didn't even know you then. <laughs> we had Fred and Wilma. We used to have another one named Wilma, yeah. but that she, didn't, she didn't make it. <laughs> but he's awesome, isn't he? But look how gentle he is. Look how peaceful he is. I, I woke up early this morning, and I heard doves outside the house. You see, the Holy Spirit, and again, this whole concept of the Holy Spirit, are we afraid of the Holy Spirit or does He come gentle? Does He force Himself upon us and, and make us do all crazy and weird things? Or is He, is he like a dove where He comes and, and, and helps us in this life, helps us in our weakness, like we read in Romans? The Holy Spirit, it says, He descended like a dove and He lit, He was lighting on Jesus, right? And, and uh, the Spirit of God, even Jesus, though Jesus was God the Son, the Holy Spirit came down and lit upon Him too. Again, what kind of an example is that? If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit upon Him, do you and I need the Holy Spirit upon us? It doesn't get any simpler than that, right? Right? Again, we're not going to go and do all these weird and crazy things, but, but we, we need to know that the Holy Spirit needs to be... We need Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. In this passage, we see that, and we'll see that in a second. Now, what should we do with Fred right now? Probably put him back in his cage. Okay, why don't you put him back in his cage? <laughs> do you think if we leave him there, he'll be okay? Oh, yeah. Okay, we'll leave him there. Some of you need something to distract you. <laughs> the Spirit of God... Came down and lit upon Jesus Christ. And John, it says in John chapter one, John gave this testimony. He said, I saw the Spirit come down from heaven as a dove and remain on him. I would not have known him except that the one who sent me to baptize with water told me, the man on whom you see the Spirit come down and remain is he who will baptize with the Holy Spirit. When when John, you know, John was warned, listen, how how are you going to know which which guy it is. He says, when you see the Holy Spirit come down and remain on that one, that's the one. That's the one. John knew that Jesus was the one. Jesus was the one. Look what, look what also it says there in verse 17. It says, and a voice from heaven said, This is my Son, whom I love. With Him I am well pleased. And a voice from heaven. We've got this whole picture here happening, right? We have this picture of the Trinity. We see Jesus coming. Jesus, the Son, coming. We see the Holy Spirit coming down, descending like a dove and lighting on Him. And then we see a voice from heaven saying, This is my Son. Obviously a voice of a Father if He's saying, This is my Son. So we see the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit all active in the life of of the people. A voice from heaven, a voice from heaven spoke and it said, this is my son. The father says, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. Uh, That that we would all hear. And I read that and I said, you know, all that we would all hear the voice from heaven, from the father, the voice that teaches us to say, Abba, father, as we read in Romans chapter eight, that we would all have a, a relationship with God that we could hear his voice. The Bible is full of passages about hearing his voice. In Deuteronomy, it says, The Lord our God has shown us, uh, you said, speaking to the people, uh, the Lord our God has shown us His glory and His majesty, and we have heard His voice from the fire. Today we have seen that a man can live, even if God speaks with him. They were freaked out at that time, like if you hear the voice of God or whatever, you are going to be struck dead. But he said, you know what, we found out that's not necessarily true. I mean, there is a sense of the holiness of God without the the blood of Jesus Christ washing us from all sin that, you know, we can't really enter into the presence of God because of our sinfulness and His holiness. But they said that, that God's voice, they heard it. In Psalm 18, it says the voice sounded like thunder. But in Elijah's case, it sounded like what? A still, small voice, a gentle whisper. God's voice, can He can speak any way He wants to, but the fact of the matter is that He spoke here to His Son. He spoke and that, that others were able to hear it. We don't know how many of them that were there were able to hear it. But at least a few were able to hear it. God is still speaking today. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are still wanting to be involved in our lives today. Another psalm says this, if you, today if you hear His voice, What? Do not harden your hearts as you did at Meribah, as you did that day at Massa in the desert. Do not harden your hearts if you hear His voice. That's speaking about a response, right? If you hear God speaking, if God is saying something to you or to me, you know, we have a choice of how to respond one way or the other. Either shut it out, harden our heart against it, pretend like we never heard it, or, or like John heard Jesus speaking and he said, okay, He consented, he followed, he listened, he obeyed. He did what the Son of God was asking him to do. The Father spoke from heaven in this place and he did what he acknowledged and he put his approval and all heaven's approval upon Jesus Christ left no doubts whatsoever who he was. This is the one. Again, we talked that John saw, this is the one by the, the Holy Spirit coming down, but then when he, when he gave his words, and he, he, again, he was fulfilling Scripture, when he used those words, this is my Son whom I love, we, <clears throat> with Him I am well pleased, uh, one of the Psalms, and also uh, a prophecy in Isaiah, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But look at the words, and we'll close with these thoughts the words that he said about his son. He said, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. Those are, those are incredible words. Think about those. He says, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. The one and only son of God, the one unique son of God. But he was loved by the father and, and the father was pleased with him and it was this pure love though, the father to the son. The father to the son, this pure love. The Father says, this is my Son whom I love, and with Him I am well pleased. It shows us something about the nature of the relationship between the Father and the Son, you see. that There was this pure love between them that that the Father, He just loved the Son. Now how many miracles had Jesus already um, done? Up to this point. None that we know of. How many times did He walk on the water up to this point that we know of? none but it says that this is my son whom i love with him i am well pleased there was something about a relationship there was something about god's love for the the father for the son you see it wasn't based on works he's he was pleased with them because of the relationship that they had uh, forever and ever in eternity yeah he never did anything wrong yeah okay and when you raise kids, you know, well, you know, there's certain times that you're not really very well pleased when they do such and such and such and such, right? But this goes deeper than that. And the most incredible thing, and the thing that's that's been striking me all week as I've been thinking about these words, is that now he extends that to you and to me. He extends that love to you and to me. You say, what are you talking about? But I'm not, you know... How could, he, how could he love me? How could he be pleased with me? You don't know me. You don't know how I think, you know, what I've done, what I you know, am doing or whatever. But it says in John 1, he says, to all who received him, to, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. In Galatians it says, you are children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. In 1 John it says this, how great is the love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Are you and I children of God, and He loves, this, loves us so much, He lavishes His love upon us because we've done good, because we've earned it, because we've you know, lived perfect lives? How many of us are going to make it that way? None at all, you see. But through faith in Christ Jesus, He extends that same love to us where He says to you, This is my son, this is my daughter whom I love, and with you I am well pleased. I I heard an incredible talk the other night about identity in Christ, that our identity in Christ, our identity, first of all, is built upon our relationship with Jesus Christ, knowing who we are. But knowing that we are a son or a daughter, of the Almighty God, that that the Spirit of God is in us to say, Abba, Father. See, there is something about this, and and this is so powerful. This is beyond anything that we can imagine, that the Father loves you, and that He's pleased with you, and that He's extending His love to you and and saying, you're my son and you are my daughter. In another place, uh, it says, you know, uh, I think we read it, I think. That by the Spirit of God, we can know that we belong to Him, that we are His children. By the Spirit of God. I've been kind of going through this for about six months or longer, just kind of, you know, reminding myself that I am a child of God. You know, you walk in this world and it's just kind of like hard. It's ugly sometimes. It's dirty but but just reminding myself, and and maybe even reminding the enemy, that you know what I am a child of God, I am born again by the Spirit of God. I've been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ. I have a hope and a future that is beyond this world, you see. And you know, I begin to do that, and and uh, I find I finally have to do it fairly frequently because it. It, when I do it, it, it kind of like the, the the heaviness of this world kind of lifts. But then, you know, I get going back about the business of the world and uh, this life, and it it starts to go back down again, doesn't it? Because we don't know who we are, because we forget. We're, we're, we're not thinking about who we are in Christ, in Jesus. I have received him, I have believed in his name, and he, by his power, made me a child of God. He has lavished his love on us. Again, in Romans, that last section, it says, you know, if God is for us, what? Who can, us? Who can be against us? If if we're one of his, it says there that what can separate us from his love? Can anything separate us from his love? I challenge you to read Romans chapter 8. I challenge you to think about this concept of the fact that that you as a believer as a a son or a daughter of God he says the same to you and to me you're my son who I love and I and I'm pleased with you he may not be pleased with some of the things that we do but with us as as his son and daughter you know if you've had children you know you know you're not always pleased with some of the things that they do but there's something about them that you just love them and you and you and, you know, it, they're yours. You can't get away from it. It's the same with him. You belong to him. And he loves you so much, and he's pleased with you. You know, the enemy, you know, is, is hammering us. And he hammers me all the time. You know, you are just a loser. You are, you know, lost. You, are, you have no f- hope and no future, no, nothing good happening. How many of you ever f- hear those words, you know? God says, you know what? I love you and I am pleased with you and and I have plans to give you hope in the future and I have opened heaven for you and one day you're going to come and be with me. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you, the Father that sent His Son to open heaven for us, to open up this relation, to a relationship that we might be yours and belong to you because of because of trusting in Jesus Christ. There's no other way, no other road, no other plan. The only way through the Son, through Jesus Christ, through the way that he opened as he came and, and, and became a man to die and pay the price for man's sin, to be buried, to face death, but also to rise from the dead that as we belong to him we are we 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 are, are identified with that death and burial and resurrection of our Savior Jesus Christ but Father I I, I want to thank you Lord that you just keep reminding me and hopefully others that you love us that you are pleased with us because we're yours we're yours and no one can snatch us out of your hand and no, nothing will ever separate us from your love. Father, thank you for that love. That love unfailing. Father, I pray that this morning, each person here would know that love. Each person here. Lord, if there's any here that, that are, are just struggling, maybe uh, with with not having a relationship with you, number one, that they would come to you this morning and say, God, I don't understand it. I don't understand this whole thing they're talking about but but i, I, I i'm I, i'm lost i need i need love i need to belong and i want to give you a place in my heart today now now is the time now is the day i want to pray too for many many lord who are struggling with just not knowing their their identity in you and and knowing who you are and what you have done for each one of them i want to pray lord they would they would know in a deeper level, a deeper way, Lord, the, the love of Christ that casts out all fear, the love that you have for them, the Father's love that you've lavished upon them, that you love them, that you have given your Son for them, that you are pleased with them, and that you have a plan and a purpose that they might live for you. Father, I pray... would just impress those words on our hearts in Jesus name amen